0: Winter was here, but we are just getting started on our rewatch of Game of Thrones, The Door, Season 6, Episode 5 of Game of Thrones. And now, here are the two guys who are ready to hold the door open for the final year of Game of Thrones 2019. I'm Rob Sestrino, back with Josh Wiggler. Josh,
1: Happy New Year! Happy New Year! Oh my goodness, I cannot believe it. We are in the final year of... Game of Thrones, after this year, 2019, there will never be anything related to Game of Thrones ever again. Well, so we have to we have to savor these next few weeks and months, Robert. Mm-hmm. Yes, uh, there will be probably no less
0: than, uh, you know, seven Game of Thrones uh, projects <laughs> in development. That's a l- Lucky number. Yes. One one for each of the seven. I think that, yes. they have. that uh, the mother, the father, the stranger, the crone. Uh, Lady Crane uh, all will be in development at HBO
1: oh my god please not the Lady Crane show (laughs) no
0: yeah all right so a lot of stuff to talk about here a very famous episode of Game of Thrones today Uh, the door and probably the highest high we've had in season uh, six so far
1: yeah, absolutely. Some time travel getting uh, dipped into my Game of Thrones over here. Uh, what a what a treat. And I remember at the time when this episode aired, just being fully mind-blown by the Hodor Hold the Door reveal, uh, which, of course, as we've uh, relitigated numerous times on this podcast and everybody else in the Game of Thrones space has also covered extensively, uh, the books by George R. R. Martin are only through five out of seven entries currently published. Um, and in those... You you know at, at some point in one of those final two installments this event that we see here in the door where Hodor becomes Hodor and he becomes Hodor via some brand time travel warging green seeing shenanigans chicanery uh, that's going to happen at some point in a future book we haven't even read that yet so for the book reading crowd uh, co- you know consistently losing the advantage over the course of these final uh, these these last couple of seasons this was a big whammy I think that this was probably the biggest whammy uh, up to this point for people who um, had read the books first before watching the show. Nobody saw this coming except for the story of that one guy who cornered George R. R. Martin in an elevator and said, hey, is Hodor called Hodor because something happens where he has to hold the door. And George R. R. Martin was like, well, you guessed it, but no one's ever going to believe you. And then it actually happened.
0: Yeah. I mean, that also plays actually in an elevator.
1: I think so. I think that's the story. I feel like that's the story. I may be a little bit fried at this point in getting that jumbled up, but I believe that that is a that, that's my <laughs> recollection ironic, of where it's like, hey, yeah. hold the door,
0: hold the door. Wait, hold the door. Oh, is that Hodor? Like, yeah, oh, well, you yeah. don't know
1: how close you are. Someone can correct me if I'm if I'm wrong in that story. I feel like there's a, ver- a version of the truth is is somewhere baked into that story. OK. All right. So a lot of stuff to get through. Uh, happy New Year to you and yours, Shash into you and yours rob uh I, I expect this to be the greatest year of all time don't help wow. me <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> come on
0: come on you're gonna put your hot streak in jeopardy <laughs> that's true yeah all that's right true let's open things up with sansa and interestingly uh the episode the door starts with a. Uh, <laughs> knock
1: knock. Yeah, the knock on the door. Uh, I was
0: reaching for the soundboard. I said on the wrong yeah, show. Uh, No, 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 no. <laughs>
1: Maester, Maester Mike, his ears are burning right yeah. now. Oh, uh, God. Yeah. But the it begins with the knock-knock and it is a scroll for Sansa Stark. Sansa has a visitor in Molestown. She has no idea how far Molestown is. Uh, which feels uh, kind of crappy for somebody who is from the north. I feel like you got to know mm-hmm. your your northern geography a little bit better than this.
0: Yeah. And then uh, Sansa is going to head down to uh, Molestown. Do you think she like uh, tells John
1: and Davos like, hey, I'm going to go out for a bit yeah going to molestown see ya (laughs) molestown also is like uh desecrated at this point right i mean like it's been ransacked already doesn't seem like there's much going on when sansa gets there she's like uh it's like this clandestine meeting in an abandoned house in molestown so for her to go to molestown uh feels like a kind of a, a big deal. You'd have to imagine that if she had told Jon Snow he wouldn't have been thrilled at the prospect. You wouldn't think so. I, I have to think that this
0: is uh under his nose, uh in terms of is it under his nose, right? That he would that he doesn't know about if it's under his nose? I think behind his back. Behind his back, sure. It's because happening, uh, then she will give him information later on and he doesn't say, Oh, wait, is that what you were learning when you went to Molestown uh, by yourself?
1: Yeah, but if he's upset by that, she's going to be able to mitigate the pain by giving him like the sweet, sweet Stark emblem on his new, uh, on, his on. new like blanket jacket. Okay, yeah, he's going to be thrilled about that. All right, so
0: we are uh, very deep into the Littlefinger travel by map era. Last week we saw him uh, down in, or over in the Erie, and now here he comes uh, up to the castle uh, or outside of castle black to moles this week
1: he is so fast Littlefinger is the fastest character on game of thrones and the least plausible thing that happens in game of thrones considering that this is canon that he is so fast is that he's not able to just like duck away from Arya stark when he <laughs> uh when when she eventually is going to slit his throat like the second that trial begins he should have just like been like the flash and blinked out of the room
0: yeah Littlefinger is telling Sansa he's here to give her aid. What's what's Littlefinger's play here? Is is he sincere? That he just wants to see the Starks back in the North?
1: You know we're we're in the we're in the final era of Littlefinger at this point. He's going to make it through this season. He'll be in all of season seven, but we know where his story ends. And so, with the benefit of knowing where his story ends, I think that we can safely say that Littlefinger is kind of in like desperation mode Mm -hmm. a lot of a lot of those gambles have not paid off the way that he had hoped uh and probably by his own admission he's a he's a gambler if you're not willing to lose everything you'll gain nothing he's in kind of the losing everything uh part of the tailspin here uh and i i think with with sansa he he's bringing the knights of the veil up he knows that she needs some help he knows that she's gonna try and rally the north uh, and he wants to he wants to do a make good. You know, he wants to make her feel like she can be queen of the north and be the person who is large and in charge up here with the backing of the veil. What he isn't accounting for, once again, was just how awful Ramsey Bolton was. You know, that's what he missed out on the first time. And now Sansa is going to catch him up on everything that happened between her and Ramsey. And Littlefinger is this is going to be news to him. And he's really not going to be able to do anything in the the department uh, you know he's not going to be able to to talk her down from all of the pain that she has lived through
0: okay and she tries to describe some of the things that she has uh, been through a little finger uh does not really want to hazard too many guesses about uh what ramsey did to sansa and she brings up a good question of like oh i thought you're the guy that knows everything yeah you didn't know this
1: yeah <laughs> you didn't you know, know he was a psycho I think we have to accept what Game of Thrones gives us at face value with the with the finality of of where Littlefinger goes in his adventure here on Game of Thrones. And the answer to that is like it's a lot of hype for Littlefinger for a whole lot of nothing. Uh, You know, for somebody who's supposed to know everything, he didn't know Ramsey Bolton. And at the time, you're like, okay, so how is he going to rebound from that? This feels like a little bit of a character flaw in the in the writing of of Littlefinger. This seems inconsistent with everything. But he's also just going to get dunked on in the end, too. So I think we you know, let's let's buy what the show is trying to sell us here with this line from Sansa. Like, you suck, Littlefinger. You should have known. You didn't. I thought you knew everybody's secrets. And he's like, oh, I screwed up. I'm so sorry. That, I think that's the real Littlefinger. Yeah.
0: He's kind of like the Wizard of Oz. Like, oh, he's all powerful. But, you know, pull back the curtain. And uh, not a lot there.
1: Do you think that Littlefinger travels around Westeros by hot air balloon?
0: <laughs> that would make some sense. But I think you would see the balloon.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, there's, I don't know. Game of Thrones has the balloon budget. So, you mm-hmm. know, you yeah. just have to Im- imply the balloon. I think they have the budget for just about anything they want at this point. They'd have to add an extra episode to, mm-hmm. to accommodate for the balloon, and I don't yeah. think they can do that.
0: Littlefinger does have one important piece of information that the Blackfish has rallied at, at River Run.
1: I mean, important? Or, like, we have to fill out some time in some of these episodes coming up, so we got to do a little bit of a Riverrun story that's not going to matter at all to anyone. <laughs> To everyone. <laughs> well, we, we need to, to deliver no this piece of news. <laughs> <laughs> the River Run story is one of the most useless storylines in Game of Thrones. We've just survived Dorne, and we survived Car. Yeah. I don't think River Run is as bad as those two, but it's just—it's completely useless. There's—there's there's nothing comes out of it.
0: Mm hmm. Well, I think that it's at least it's it's well done in terms of that. Uh, is there an important, you know, outcome that happens? Uh, not really. But I, I remember enjoying all those scenes.
1: Well, i'm i'm not i'm not so sure that that's true i'm not so sure i'm just (laughs) but but there's
0: nothing that's that is it's fine it's fine it's fine
1: you know laughably bad no exactly it's totally fine it is it is middle of the road a river runs right through (laughs) game of thrones in terms of quality and it is just like perfectly average Okay, All
0: right. Uh, Let's go back to Bravos for some more sparring between
1: Arya and the waif. Yes. And uh, the waif is is kicking Arya's butt and telling her she's not ready. She needs to go home before it's too late. Uh, And then the fighting resumes once again. Arya is trying to to prove her worth in combat, but the waif is still just getting the upper hand. Yeah. Uh, The waif
0: says you'll never be one of us, Lady Stark. Wow.
1: Uh, you know, just there's there's truth to that. Arya yeah. Stark's, you know, gonna
0: gonna Arya Stark. I know there's a lot of sunk cost here for Arya in terms of all the time that she's put into becoming one of the uh, faceless men. But at a certain point, I think Arya just got to cut bait here. No,
1: yeah, absolutely. She I mean, been
0: through enough.
1: Yeah, she's going to she's going to, you know, she's not really going to graduate, but she's going to take all of those skills she learned at the the University of Black and White. And she's going to be able to to roll into the job market and take her face off and put on other faces and still do all of the stuff. So uh, and she gets to still be Arya Stark. So she kind of gets the best of both worlds. OK. All right. So what?
0: Aria is with uh, Jack and Hagar, and uh, they are talking. And he's got a new assignment for Aria. It's like
1: a little bit of like a video game. Like, all right, uh, here's the next mission. Oh man, is this like a Bandersnatch moment where uh, (laughs) she gets? She gets yeah. to choose whether she reject, wants to... <laughs> reject the mission. Yeah, kick Jack and Hagar in the balls. Okay, so... Aria. Do you want to take this mission? Yes or F yes? Yeah. <laughs> no, no.
0: Okay, so Aria is uh, told about a uh, new assignment. And uh, the assignment is there's a lady named Lady Crane. Yes. And she is a performer and you need to go and take her out.
1: Yes, Lady Crane needs to die. She performs at this theater in Shilba Square. Uh Arya has been given a second chance. There are no third chances. This is it. So either way, if she if she succeeds and Lady Crane is is killed, then that's a big victory for Arya, but if Arya strikes out on this one, Jack and Hagar is basically saying it's you who will die, Arya. So uh you, better get this one right high stakes high stakes stakes, either you or lady
0: crane aria okay yes we now go to the performance uh, live in uh, shilba square and it is a vaudeville version of (laughs) the game
1: of thrones song of ice and fire Yeah, the Crane of Thrones. Uh, This this is a fun scene. I don't remember what we thought about it at the time, uh, but like this is you know it's it's obviously it's it's very upsetting for Arya to watch, and it's a real perversion of history. But I think to like kind of relive the uh, the glory days of season one and some of season two in this extreme fashion in this story within the story, it's kind of fun. It's a little different from what you normally get on Game of Thrones. you have to appreciate the craft that was involved in order to to bring it to life I'm sure that there was a lot of rehearsal and uh, you know in terms of like putting this on like an actual play uh, that's my memory also of, of speaking with the director of this episode Jack Bender who is uh, one of the, the great legendary producers and directors of Lost a show that I'm currently rewatching uh, which shares some DNA with this episode The Door. Um, I, I think that's fun I think it's a it's a good sequence it's not like a big move the needle type of sequence uh not even in the the sword sense of the word uh but i think it's an enjoyable enough to to revisit <laughs> I, I don't know what this is I,
0: I really don't I was I'm watching this I'm like what am I watching here with there's there's a ton of fart jokes a in, lot
1: of fart humor yeah, yeah. I mean
0: that, <laughs> the Tyrion Lannister character is just like pulling the woman's top off in, in this show like what, what are we doing here for Lady Crane now correct me if I'm wrong but this to our
1: knowledge is a Show invention and not uh, from the mind Correct. of George rr yes. Martin, right? No, as far as I as far as I can tell, that that is that is indeed the case. I think it's it's here for not only to be like a little playful with the show, but also to reset Arya, who has seemingly rededicated herself so deeply to the House of Black and White, um, to get her in this place. Where she is remembering all of the pain that was committed, uh, against her, her family, all of, all of the, the horrors of season one and onward. Uh, and I, I. Yeah, and I, I think it pulls her back away from the mission once again, uh, and it makes a lot of sense as to why Jack and Hagar would assign her this mission in particular. Because like either you're going to to measure up and you're going to be able to kill this person given the storyline, and you're you know not going to get like completely derailed by the personal vendetta, uh, or you're going to fail here. Uh, so I like it from that perspective, and in terms of like the utility of of where this may be going overall like is there a greater significance to the lady crane storyline is something that we we would imagine the answer to that is basically no that like we know the answer to that in the context of this season that she is going to die and then arya is going to fight the waif and arya is going to reclaim herself and all of that but is there something to be studied in the fact that lady crane plays cersei uh who arya hates and has had on her list Forever. Uh, people have wondered, will there ever be any kind of confrontation between Arya and Cersei in the end game of the show? And in this version of events, Arya is able to find sympathy for the woman who portrays Cersei Lannister. Is there any such sympathy for Arya to find in her relationship with the actual Cersei Lannister? Later on down the line. I think when we when we get a, a final accounting of all of these storylines, I don't think it's impossible that there will be some poetic irony that you can mine from the Lady Crane material in retrospect.
0: It's possible that uh that could be the thing but in terms of this being some sort of a test for her where Cersei is already somebody that's on her list, you would think that then, you know, it would be so easy for Arya to kill somebody who was Cersei as opposed to it being a challenge for her to kill somebody in the story. Like if this was, if Lady Crane was playing cat, Cat uh, Stark then right. maybe It might be a little bit different saying, I, I can't kill her that's my mom or that's Sansa I can't I can't do that but the fact That it's already Cersei like I feels like that that Would be a slam dunk to kill her And but totally then it, it is interesting what You're saying in terms of maybe could she take Mercy on the real Cersei uh, Not trying to rhyme but uh, the, uh, the, I don't really know if we Like Arya doesn't seem to have that Takeaway of wow this is so weird I mean you play somebody that I hate but I've re- really come to admire you as a person. Like she doesn't, uh, you know, it might be like a cool thing, but it doesn't seem like the character really has made that leap.
1: The picture that I could see though very easily is some sort of moment where because like what role does Arya play in the White Walker war right like as as that is building up I mean is, is the whole show going to be about that or are there going to be these side stories that are more concerning King's Landing more concerning the vendetta between the Starks and the Lannisters and could you see Arya going to take down Cersei once and for all and she gets to that moment where she could strike the killing blow and she's just so exhausted by everything and her moment of character growth is she's had this fantasy about killing Cersei for so long and she just can't do it in the end and it's kind of like this Lady Crane thing repeating itself and in that moment of mercy is that some sort of opening for Arya to get got is that some sort of mm-hmm. opening for the Arya story to, to close out with this moment of growth just before she's killed off I don't know I just I don't think that that's impossible to see I think that like something like that is 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 potential there's potential for that on the board as we're looking ahead towards the final six episodes I'm just trying to find some utility yeah, yeah in this I, no, and you're here. doing
0: uh, the Lord's work uh, <laughs> <laughs> the Lord of Light's work listen uh, I'm a little
1: it. down on season six and i'm trying to find the silver linings okay, where right, well, i can <laughs> we'll, let's go
0: backstage josh sure. let's go, oh, let's go do we check have to out look what look the actors no, are up no. to behind the scenes because uh, people are like a, you know the, or, that was so interesting the lady crane show yes. i wonder what it's like backstage and so we get a, a yeah. real you know glimpse of what it's like to be one of the performers this and is a, a
1: warts and all uh, warts of view all. of game of thrones right of shielba
0: square and so we go Close up on the actor who plays uh, Joffrey um, uh, With no Pants on and uh, It turns out that he has uh, Two warts on his Genitals which again why Why are we with all with others I know uh, Amelia Clark says okay well why don't We have some male nudity but but, but Why why are we getting A a, you know close up on a man Examining himself for warts
1: Um Why why are we learning this well, we're learning to protect yourself. The protection is... is knock, uh, knock. <laughs> <laughs> no. I will not answer the door. I will hold the door there. I have no, I have no defense of this scene. It's ridiculous. I mean, it's almost like
0: for the people that were asking for male nudity in Game of Thrones, it's like, hey, you said you wanted male nudity. Well, you need to be more specific. It's like some sort of like monkey's paw wish was made. Like, (laughs) what?
1: I wish there'd be some more nudity, male nudity on Game of Thrones. Like, all right, as you wish. I don't know. It's just showing that like it's a dangerous world in uh, the world of ice and fire. You know, you can't trust anyone. Uh, We learn that
0: Lady Crane is having a relationship with the actor that uh, played Tyrion and Lady Crane is a rum girl.
1: Yeah, Bobino is his name. I shop at his store. Great clothes. Uh yeah, they she's a rum girl. She likes rum. She doesn't drink wine. And Arya is uh is taking note of that. She now has the path towards how to kill Lady Crane. Nobody else drinks the rum. Why is all the rum gone? It's because of Lady Crane, and that's going to be the way to to satisfying the deed the debt that the house of black and white is looking to collect
0: Mm -hmm. can i say one other thing that bothered me about the the lady crane play uh the rhyming really annoyed me it (laughs) really did because is this earth are they are are these characters supposed to be speaking english what what are we doing with this rhyming scheme
1: I mean, I I don't know that I understand the the complaint. Like, are you saying that they aren't speaking English and it only sounds like English to our ears? Yes, that's what I'm saying. I guess that's just nothing that is ever, ever pinged on my radar as anything to ever even think about when it comes to Game of Thrones. Uh, So definitely didn't bother me at all
0: yeah it in star wars are they are all the characters speaking american
1: english in a galaxy far far away i mean i don't know they they are to me as i'm as i'm listening to it sometimes uh the old english uh has 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 shown up i don't know i've never i've this is never sorry once... to blow your mind today well why is the rhyming such a such a problem with the with the the english Because they're
0: rhyming English words.
1: Yeah, that's the language that they're speaking in the show. (laughs) And so all the
0: words just happen to also rhyme in the language of the Game of Thrones people, the uh, whatever they talk about, the the common tongue. Yeah, they've been speaking this the entire show. Right, but they just have to speak. You want to watch a whole show in subtitles?
1: i i i am so blown away by the complaint that i just i truly like i'm trying to engage you but i truly don't understand how this is a problem for you if this is a problem for anyone else i would love to i would love to hear from you (laughs) and for you to explain (laughs) explain to me do do you think the characters are speaking the
0: same english that you and i speak it, it would have seemed that way, yeah.
1: it how? seems like how uh, because that's, that's what they're talking. That's the language they're talking. What's going on right now? What is <laughs> happening? Are uh, you and I speaking the same language? What's the, what is this?
0: Yeah, I, I just think that characters are speaking whatever tongue they are speaking in in their native universe, but we're just seeing it in English, so we don't have to watch it in subtitles.
1: This is not an issue that has. Ever once bothered me with, with <laughs> this show or any similar like science fiction show or fantasy show or Lord of the Rings? Well, think about it. I'm think not going it. to. I'm done thinking about it. You're just trying to fry my brain like Hodor, and it's working. <laughs> hey,
0: if this is a dumb complaint, you can at me at Pineapple Laughter
1: oh my god judge the english judge the english judge the english okay. jordan Clish.
0: jordan glish jordan glish <laughs> <laughs> okay uh aria comes back and tells jack and Huh, eh, lady crane didn't seem so bad
1: yes yes uh, and she has uh she's got questions about like why are we doing this Who yeah wants her dead and jack is like doesn't matter
0: Josh, in my understanding of the the faceless men, isn't there like some morality there? They're just hitmen for hire. Like I thought, they sort of like they kill bad people.
1: Um, I think that they they don't question uh, they don't question what the many faced God wants, and so the many faced God communicates to them via money. That's the language he speaks. Uh, so, if the, if someone comes with the right price to pay for the faceless men's services, I think that they are they are game to play along.
0: Many face guy only <laughs> likes money. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
1: Watto lives. Oh my god! So I mean, let's make 2019 the year of Watto. Please. That's fine. That's fine. Yes, it would yes. be a big hit at my house. Yes. Do they? Do your kids like Watto?
0: They do. They do.
1: Oh wow, that's great.
0: Uh, where they, they? My kids uh, very much uh, like things from the Phantom Menace.
1: There are. Have they seen the Phantom Menace?
0: Yeah. You know, I think that's probably the most kid-friendly of the Star Wars movies to show a kid.
1: Oh yeah, easily, absolutely. What are their thoughts on Jar Jar? Like him. They love him. Pro
0: Jar Jar. Yeah. Yeah. Pro Jar Jar. Okay. Yeah. Uh they're, they're not anti anybody. <laughs> they like five. everyone? think they, they like everybody. I think they're very very, they, very.
1: They like, they like Darth Maul. Oh
0: yeah, very he's cool. They like him.
1: Even though uh like are, were they Qui-Gon fans? Are they upset about that? It eh, the, could take it. Take it or leave it. It's fine. It's fine. They okay. like Jake Lloyd? Yeah. They they like everybody.
0: They they don't yeah. dislike any person. It's great. Yeah. Uh, So we are going to check in with Bran. Uh, This is really Bran's hour of television. And Bran is going to get to see the formation of the Night King.
1: Yes, and this was another moment that was a bit of a mind uh mind boggle uh for the the book reading and show only crowd alike because there has been no explanation for uh, uh mommy daddy where do white walkers come from? This seems to be the answer. The children of the forest created them. They were people once upon a time and then they got obsidian in the heart uh a, a nice dose of dragon glass to the chest and that is going to turn you into a white walker apparently is the is the way of it uh and we see that happen here with uh with this man who turns into the night king and it's uh a bit of a reveal that's just kind of like air dropped into the middle of this episode yeah what do we know about this man we believe this to be the Night King. Um, I think that there's some theories that he is a Stark, but I don't think that we know anything officially about the guy.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and he is getting uh, a shard of dragon glass inserted into him, uh, which is going into his heart and turns him into uh, the Night King. We see Leaf and the Children of the Forest there, and Bran wakes up like Leaf. How could you?
1: Yeah, yeah, Leaf, you betrayed me. Yes, uh, and Leaf tries to justify it. We were at war. We were being slaughtered. Yes, we were cutting down our trees. We had to defend ourselves, and thus the White Walkers were born.
0: Yes, uh, and there's great debate: is it is it considered murder if it's war? Who knows? But uh, that's that that's a dilemma for another day, Josh. Another for, time. Yes. Uh, for for leaf here. So what was the idea of we need to kill the people, all the humans. So we will then create this thing that will then be able to kill all of the humans. But at some point, it, it, the machine turns.
1: Yeah, war begets more war, right? Like this is the this is the parable here that uh it's the the one upsmanship is just gonna leave everybody destroyed. Uh, that this is mutually assured destruction is what's going on here with the creation of the white walkers in this attempt to outgun the impossibly powerful humans that have uh, that have uh, the the height advantage at the very least and probably the numbers advantage as well against the children of the forest they tried to to recapture some power on their own and create the white walkers and it, it grows beyond their control and now everybody's in trouble uh, and the pacifists George R. R. Martin, I think, is trying to tell us something here. Uh, that this is this this way lies destruction for all of us, and winter is coming, and we must band together in order to stop it from occurring.
0: Hmm. Uh what are the White Walkers uh, a metaphor for? Uh nuclear weapons?
1: I think that that works. I think any any kind technology. of technology whatever whatever works for you. Skynet? Hmm. Skynet works for me. Yeah, personally, yeah. You know, the The global warming is is a well-trod, uh, well-discussed metaphor within Game of Thrones. You name it, any kind of uh, adversity through uh, just like uh, short-sighted thinking, I think is uh, is what we're seeing uh, at it, that. That's what George R. R. Martin and the creators of Game of Thrones seem to have uh, set their sights on. All right, on to Pike. We're gonna spend a lot
0: of time here on the King's Moot and oh, man. It, a lot of it is 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 moot oh man it's not
1: good It's not. It's not good. It's bad. Okay. Will Yara Yara some of this? Okay. Please, yes. All right.
0: So we kick off the big king's moot. Who is going to be the leader in the primary for the new leader of Pike? And so Yara steps up, and then there's a guy who's like, what? A queen? Come on. And Yara gives her spiel, and then uh, there's a guy who steps up and says, wait, hold on a second. How could we have a woman lead us when Balon's only male heir has returned? And everybody looks to Theon. It's like, yes, Theon should lead us. That's right. Even though we all hate Theon's guts and disrespect him at every single opportunity, we any of us have any had any interaction with him. Yes, that should be our leader. But he says no. He's back to full Theon. He's like, no, Yara is the leader. She should lead us. And everybody's like, okay, great. But then. But then, yes. Euron 1.0. And now we, I think we're pretty high on the uh, second time around for Euron Greyjoy following a reboot. But here's Euron in his original incarnation.
1: A lot of robes. <laughs> He's wearing a lot of robes? A lot of robes. Heavy attire. Big hair. Weird beard. Really mean. Just showing up and just farting all over the Iron Islands and ruining a good thing. The scene could have been nice and short and clean and Yara could have been in charge, but no. Here comes Show Euron, who is a, who is a pale imitation of book Euron to just completely mangle the Iron Islands and man, this stuff is just meh wiff whiff. Yeah. <laughs> whiff.
0: <laughs> now Theon I thought has a good moment when he's telling everybody to uh for vote for Yara. I thought he was like uh, like the music swells. He has a nice moment there. But then here comes Euron, And then we have to relitigate this whole thing. And he talks about how he's the one who killed uh, Balon Greyjoy. And they're sort of calling him out. And he says, you know what? I, I apologize to you guys. I should have killed him sooner.
1: <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. He told he totally owns it. He's yeah. like, yeah, I-, I-, I got him. I did it. I'm the killer. And he sucked and I'm, I'm, uh, I'm here now and you guys can be friends with me and everyone's like, Oh, I never thought about it that way. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Everyone's, everyone's into it. Yeah.
0: And very quickly,
1: uh, they are on board with Euron because he's got
0: a plan of here's what we're going to do. We're going to build a bunch of ships and then I'm going to go take the ships to go find the dragon queen because uh, she's got armies and uh, three dragons. She's going to love me. And then uh, I uh, am going to uh, get her into these ships and then I'm going to hook up with her and then we're going to take over.
1: Euron's really into Queens is what we will come to find out that first here he is like being like, oh, I want to team up with Daenerys Targaryen. That sounds like a fun deal. And that's just not really going to work out for him. So he's just going to course correct and go for Cersei Lannister in season seven. Yeah. It's all about the all about the Queens loves the crown. Yeah. And Show. everybody's on board with this plan.
0: And so, all right, fine. So now we got to do the whole drown God. ceremony. Uh, yeah. And meanwhile, while this ceremony is going on, and you think that this would take like all of like 10 minutes to do. Uh, <laughs> Yara and Theon steal a bunch of ships, and then just get the hell out of there.
1: Yeah. Uh, they're just able to, like, everybody is at the ceremony except for the Yara crowd. And they're just, they're just able to book it. Yeah. Uh, and Euron's too late, too late to stop them from doing it.
0: So then Euron comes to and realizes that Fion and Yara stole the ships and he's pissed and he says, OK, let's go murder my niece and nephew.
1: Yeah, I don't remember if I said this at the time on any of the podcasts, but it's always the the touchstone that comes to mind when I watch this scene is when Euron and all of the other uh Iron Islanders are just like marching single file yeah. and rounding that corner to go and look for Theon. And Yara just reminds me of Mama Fratelli and her children and the Goonies. <laughs> yeah, they're just like storming through the cave. Just such a weird walk. What a weird little thing that is happening here.
0: I agree. I think it's a little low budge in terms of like uh, this is the uh, the cabinet of Euron Greyjoy realizing that they've been had.
1: Yeah, for like all of these like reckless, chaotic Iron Islanders, they really fall in line. Literally, like it's a very impressive feat for them to all be just like uh, uniformly single file, Mm -hmm. very orderly. Right. Like they have like 20 guys and they were all at the uh,
0: <laughs> drowning of Euron Greyjoy. And then it was like nobody else was on duty to that day.
1: <laughs> That's right. <laughs> they just
0: parked their <laughs> ships and then left the keys in the ships. And then Theon and Yara just show up, take them all,
1: and then uh, leave them high and dry. And just bail. Yeah. yeah and, and then. Bail so- on. So Euron, Euron is telling these people, like, all right, so they're gone. Uh, they took a lot of ships. But if you can build me a thousand ships, I can give you the world. A thousand ships is, does seem like a lot of ships. A lot of ships, especially in, like, the amount of time that it seems that they, that they build them. Yes. Maybe Euron is also
0: the innovator of some sort of, like, ship assembly line.
1: Hmm. Yes. I can see that. Yeah. Okay.
0: All right. Let's go and check in at Vyas Dothrak, where uh, Danny is meeting with Jorah and Dario following uh, last week's big blaze.
1: And so she's like, you know, Jorah, I don't know what to do with you. Yeah, like I mean, you saved me, and that's great. But I also did once tell you that if I ever saw you again, I'd have to kill you. So I can't kill you. Kind of have to maybe exile you, can't keep you, I don't really know what to do, and Jorah's like, you know what, I'll answer this for you, I can't go anywhere with you, I'm sick What? No, impossible I've I've got the thing, I've got the, the spot, the cootie spot on my arm, and you can't touch it, it's gross, and you'll get sick too Mm hmm. Yeah. And this does
0: end up being uh, kind of convenient for uh, Danny in terms of solving this problem. And uh, Jora is, uh, you know, a big mush. Uh, I love you. I always loved you. I love you, Danny. Yeah. And uh, she says, uh, no, do not walk away from your queen. I order you to go
1: get healed. Yeah. Heal yourself. Uh, and so he's he's going to do that. He will do yeah. exactly that. And she says, when you get better, you come find me because you're going to you're going to be part of the squad when I roll into the Seven <laughs> Kingdoms.
0: Is Danny bluffing here? She's sort of like, well, oh, I know there's no cure for Grayscale. So let me just send him out. and uh, It's kind of a fool's errand, but at least he can go out feeling good.
1: Yeah, I think it's a little bit of that. But then, like, on the other hand, it's like, well, if, if he does make it back, that's impressive. He's found <laughs> the cure for Grayscale. Like, I got to take Jordan back at that point
0: mm-hmm yeah okay
1: so uh it's
0: a win-win for
1: danny yes yeah it is and so that that is the last we'll see of jorah until season seven i believe will be the next time we see uh jorah and that will be once he's getting off his scabs picked up yikes okay all
0: right josh let's check in on what danny's cabinet is uh thinking in marine right now
1: Yes, because uh, they are, you know, it's been about two weeks, two weeks or so since the pact with the Masters. There have been no killings carried out by the Sons of the Harpy. Uh, only a couple of Masters have been killed, and that was the day of the truce. So it seems like uh, the future's so bright and marine that they got to wear shades. It's a good deal for everybody yes. here in Slaver's Bay.
0: Tyrion feels like uh, that we have a good story to tell. We need to get it out there.
1: Right. They need to craft a press release. Yes. They need to to alert the media uh, of what's
0: going on. (laughs) Uh, They need to bring back maybe the Marine Daily press briefing. Uh huh. Yeah, yeah. They've made Meereen great again. Yes. So it's good all, job, guys. Yeah, good, good job, guys. But then uh, Tyrion says, "No, we need a good spokesperson out there."
1: Right, and none of these people are ideal candidates of the people who've been left behind in Myrine. Certainly, Tyrion's a great talker, as is Barris, but they're outsiders. Nobody really trusts them. Uh, Grey Worm—he's a shy guy uh missandei really not feeling it herself uh Tyrion has another idea as we've been seeing for quite some time now out here in essos the red priests have been feeling emboldened they've been out on the streets they've been talking to the peeps and so Tyrion thinks we need to get uh we need to get a red priestess out here to be pushing the word of what's going on here in marine
0: yeah I kind of thought he was going to be going for Misande. should be the uh, Marine press spokesperson.
1: I think that would have worked. I think that would have been that would have been good. Misande mm. speaks multiple languages, so she I mean, could have that, even like was literally you know? her job. Yeah. She's a communicator. She's in communications. Mm-hmm. No. The communications were short. That's a line from the Phantom Menace that I'm sure your children. <laughs> know. Yes. Yes. This is a good Obi-Wan. Yeah. So
0: we're going to bring in a red priestess and uh, she is straight out of Volantis.
1: Yes. Canarva. hmm. Yeah. Or Canvara rather. I apologize to the Canvara fans. Right. And to me, this
0: scene, Josh is interesting, but if memory serves, Ultimately, other than to reset, Varys is not down with magic. Uh, I kind of feel like that there is no reason for this.
1: No, I think that that's, that's one of the things that is, uh, that is that is distressing on the rewatch of season six, especially for me is, is how much of this and granted, we don't, we don't know how the show is going to end yet. So there, there could be utility to a lot of this stuff in, in the final six episodes. There's only six episodes left, uh, to, to justify lady crane and Kinvara's existences. Um, we don't, we just don't know, but there, there just feels like a lot of the, the wheel spinny, uh, material here in in this season that i had either forgotten or uh, was more tolerant of at the time um, i think for the canvara scene and the matter of setting up once again varus's relationship with magic uh in which he, he really does not care for anyone who who uh you know describes himself as a worshiper of the Lord of Light or somebody who uh, believes in in the power of the lore and uh, can can do all these things, given his own personal history with a sorcerer. I feel like we will see in season seven, right, when when Miss uh, when Melisandre and Varys meet and she gives him that chilling pros- prophecy that, uh, you know, I have to die here in this strange country and so do you. And so we're wondering, what does that mean for Varys in the final stretch of Game of Thrones? is there some sort of magical reckoning heading towards varus and if so is that what a scene like this helps to reinforce that once we know what the final score is with varus the spider will a scene like this take on a sharper meaning
0: yeah to me it just seems like they just needed like a Melisandre stand-in here and that's what this scene is about
1: yeah i think that seems you know that uh, that seems fair. I, I think that it's you know, these episodes are an hour-ish long, if not an outright hour, and they need the material. And so here's a scene with Canvara. Enjoy. Yeah. Josh, do you think that Varys is gonna kill Melisandra? No, I don't. Um I could I could more easily imagine Melisandra killing Varys, maybe. Um, I I feel like that Varys has to get the
0: jump on somebody who has magic,
1: but Varys isn't really a killer, right? I mean, like we haven't seen him that way. Certainly he's not opposed to, uh, lethality as a tool, but he's not typically the trigger man on anything other than the dude he's had tied up in his box for years yeah. so when, when he does roll up his sleeves it is unconventional so I think like the idea of watching Varys stab somebody is uh, is a strange idea I really uh, I really like the idea of like one of the more politically minded characters having to have a moment where they must reckon with the, the magical threat like the more supernatural threat that has been facing Game of Thrones all the way down like this is why I was so bummed when Littlefinger died I felt like for Littlefinger to become um, the victim of like the White Walkers although he you know is taken down at least in part by magic with Bran so that's somewhat satisfying I think for, for that to happen to someone like Varys especially somebody whose history is so tied up with magic as it stands for him to be taken out by a White Walker in like a moment of slow dread that he can't negotiate his way out of would be very painful and tragic to watch but i think might be in character with what he has been all about varus the spider versus an ice spider potentially could you see that maybe that could happen
0: (sighs) but don't you feel like that varus needs to come down on victorious against magic hasn't he been through enough at the
1: hands of magic that he also has to die from magic rob if you thought that this had a happy ending you weren't paying attention isn't that a great Uh... line from a previous game of thrones episode Yeah,
0: I just feel like I could see Varys like snatching Melisandre's necklace or something like that to reveal her for who she really is. It's been such a through line on the show of Varys hates magic. Varys hates anything with magicians. We got the whole thing about his backstory. We get it reset here again in season six. We're going to get it again in season seven. I I just feel like that the ending of his story needs to be Varys- versus magic and i think that uh he's
1: just haunted by magic his whole life well, I think I think that 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 opened it up for me a little bit more. That like I think for for Varys to um, somehow be undone by magic, but in a way that he has some agency in, in a way mm-hmm. where like he can kind of like throw himself into a situation that terrifies him, but he knows is for the good of the realm to like challenge those two ideas that are that are so central with Varys that everything he does is for the good of the realm. Number one, and he is deathly afraid of magic. If those two ideas can can come into collision with each other and Barris can kind of like um you know spring forth into that dilemma and and maybe die that way or come out on top either way i think would be something that would be very exciting to see in the final season i think that for for him to to kill melisandra i don't know i think that there's there's other stuff for melisandra to have to deal with chief among them the aria promise those two stories Mm -hmm. have to collide again
0: if um, if not for him to kill Melisandra, then maybe for him to like get on board and like recognize like uh Melisandra, like we need you to do something. I right. guess but yeah. Davos kinda had that moment already. So um we'll see. We'll see how it goes. Okay. I think
1: something like that sounds sounds doable.
0: Yeah. Okay. But his path definitely in this final season will and will somehow intersect with magic.
1: I think it would, it's it's hard to imagine any scenario where that's not the case, given uh, the thrust of it. I think you, you classify White Walkers as as a magical uh, entity, right? So if that's the case, then then Varys is headed into that. Into that conflict in some way, shape, or form.
0: Yeah, to me, I would say that uh, I think that the White Walkers do not necessarily constitute magic. I'd say that the dragons are sort of borderline for me, but I feel like that uh, the you know uh, the magic that we've seen
1: him involved in has been sort of the the Lord of Light side of the story, right? And so now it's time for for the ice in the equation, right? It's a song mm-hmm. of ice and fire. I guess so. Yeah. Um, let's check back in.
0: Speaking of ice and Bran, he can't sleep. You know, Bran, people think that, OK, well, he's just a mature guy, but he's still like a rambunctious, rebellious teenager at this point. And so when the three eyed raven goes to sleep, it's time for Bran to log into that treat net.
1: yeah he's using his dad's wi-fi password he's sneaking in he's getting past the the parent control settings and he's Mm -hmm. he's gonna go out it's kind of hard to know exactly what it is he's trying to do it's weird because bran has been really interested in like peeping on his family and his own history right and like going back in the past but here bran is just like Going outside, basically. Also, it's daytime outside, it seems like. So everybody's just like uh, uh, has agreed on a nap. Is this nap time at the Three Eyed Raven's uh, cave? I think that
0: maybe he might have been trying to log into, say, like Littlefinger's brothel circa a couple of years ago, uh-huh. and then ended up, you know, because then he wasn't there with the Three Eyed Raven. I think he got hacked by the Night King.
1: Got it. Okay. Okay. That makes that makes sense. But yeah. He's hacked. He's gonna be outside the cave. He's gonna find where all the White Walkers are. He's gonna be very frightened. By the the Army of the Dead, and even more so by the Night King himself and there's some some contact. the Night King's able to grab mm-hmm. Bran in this walking vision uh if that's not magic, Rob, I don't know what <laughs> is.
0: Yeah, I guess so. I guess so. Is the it's Night certain- King
1: also going to like be able to like cause like an earthquake from a distance later on? like Night- the Night King and the White Walkers—they're—they're they're magic outright. I-,
0: I guess I guess so, but I feel like that it's not the type of magic that Varys really
1: uh, despises. I think magic is magic. I think he's not—he's not going not to love this type of magic. He just has not base it. He doesn't
0: love it, but I kind of feel like that Melisandre and the night king it's not exactly the same type of
1: thing i, they're, I it's I, a, the yin and the yang they're the they're the great enemy of the lord of light right you know so if he can align himself with the lord of light uh and go up against the lord of light's enemy then that's that's kind of like killing two magical birds with one stone hmm yeah i guess so i just feel like the magical
0: creatures and people that practice magic i would say are are kind of different okay magical beings and then like uh like wizards that are like doing spells i think that's what that's really what, like people doing magic i think is what varus really despises
1: i think he's not going to be thrilled to meet the night king should no, the occasion not. arise though i mean nobody yeah, is I think nobody the, is i think night king will will pretty quickly rise to the top of his most hated list if the, if they ever uh have the chance to cross paths mm-hmm So we see Bran. He has been uh,
0: grabbed by the Night King. He's got some uh, marks on his arm and he uh, ends up, uh, he wakes up and he uh, is very quickly, you know, he alerts everybody that, uh, uh, well, the Night King, he saw me and he touched you. Yes. Yes. Uh, He's like, well, that's it. Now he knows you're here. He'll come for you. And Bran's like, well, don't worry, you know, can't get in here he's like well nope that's his mark so now he can get in what nobody told me this yeah uh,
1: yeah the three-eyed raven with that with that meaty chewy dialogue uh, the time has come for you to become me bran asks if he's ready and the three-eyed raven says nope no nope. he turns him into the three-eyed raven all the same I thought that the Three-Eyed
0: Raven already told Bran that he wasn't going to be him. I think, I think if I'm Bran, I'm like, hold you said I wasn't going to be you.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think that he is like a mobile Three-Eyed Raven. Hmm, okay. Like he, he, he doesn't have to, like, the, the millennial Three-Eyed Raven who can be on the move and doesn't have to be uh, plugged into the wall in order to get his power. Josh, did the
0: Three Eyed Raven know this was all going to happen? Where, like, was he ever like pretending to be asleep so Bran would go do this?
1: You have to think, right? Like, I mean, if we're going to see in the next episode, Bran's going to be continuing to have like his Neo moment where he's downloading all the information uh, of Westeros history and becoming the Three Eyed Raven, and he's going to see the wildfire explosion from the light of the seven from the season finale. Uh, so, you know, that there is like some, you know, version of, of forward looking that the, that the three eyed Raven is capable of. So if that's the case, God imagine the three eyed Raven saw all of this coming, right? Mm-hmm. Like, like this is all, this is all part of the plan. Like all of this is like kind of like faded in a way. <laughs> yeah. All
0: right so john is at the map up at castle black and they're trying to figure out uh what are we going to do here uh he's t- you know we got a dilemma we can't defend the north from the walkers and the south from the boltons uh i mean i'd argue that they probably don't have uh enough troops for either of those things
1: right well that's why they're talking they're like we gotta rally some peeps we gotta get mm-hmm. some people on our side they're like how about the umbers no the umbers screwed us they 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 gave Rickon away. We can't trust the Umbers anymore. But the Carstarks, they didn't know that they had an option. They weren't uh, aware that this was a bandersnatch deal. They could they <laughs> could go they could go Bolton or Stark. They chose yeah. Bolton. Davos is like, uh, trust me, you don't have the Carstarks. Uh,
0: you know your brother uh, killed a very important Car Stark.
1: Uh, that's not going to work. Not gonna not gonna happen. Uh, yeah. So there are a couple other houses in the north that they want to they want to try and track down. Um, we get a name drop of the of the Mormonts. We know that uh Lady Liana is on her way. Very excited about that. Mm-hmm. That's gonna be great. Um but John doesn't have the Stark name, so that's gonna make this whole operation a little difficult. And Sans is gonna say, I'm a Stark. I can vouch for John. He's every bit Ned Stark's son is Ramsey as Roos's. Uh so you know, we may have a shot here. Yeah.
0: Sansa also uh, provides the information about how, uh, hey, and, you know, the uh, blackfish, uh, you know, he reformed the uh, Tully army.
1: Right. So we can go and we can grab the blackfish and the Tully from River Run and bring them up north as well, which will turn out to be a completely fruitless endeavor and just a mm-hmm. way to get Brienne and Jamie in the same scene together again for a little while.
0: So Sansa is going to send Brienne on this errand. So he needs to send her to go and uh, summit with the blackfish. Can't send a raven. What if Ramsey ends up stealing it? Right. Got to send. Nobody a else seems uh,
1: concerned with that. But yeah. What what if. What's harder to intercept a raven or a human? Hmm. Human moving slower unless you're Littlefinger. Yeah. Ramsey's got those dogs. Right. I feel like the the person's probably the easier thing to intercept. I don't know. Mm, Yeah. Does
0: Ramsey just have guys along all of the Raven uh, routes from that go from if you drew a line from Castle Black to River Run? Does he have a guy that's like watching that route? Yeah. Ramsey's got his guys. The good guys. (laughs) He trusts his guys. This guy's River Run guy. Yeah. Uh Brienne, uh she doesn't like it, she doesn't like leaving Sansa alone, she doesn't trust any of these guys, and that wildling fellow with the beard
1: doesn't like him. No, not a not a fan of uh of Torment, even though Torment is a big fan of her. Uh <laughs> which is funny. Mm-hmm. Uh so yeah, so Brienne's gonna is gonna go uh to River Run and uh Sansa's going to hang back with Jon and give him a belated Christmas present. OK,
0: yes. So we have an exchanging of the gifts. Sansa in her downtime when she wasn't going to Molestown, she was working on some new
1: threads for her yes. and for Jon. Yeah, she's got uh, got this new uh, this new cloak. It's got the the Stark sigil. Stark pretty, swag. Pretty fashionable. Yeah.
0: Mm hmm. Yes. And it's a fur coat for John, just like the one Ned used to wear.
1: Yes. No, it is very on brand. And he is looking more and more like his not a father every day. Yes. OK, so
0: uh, they're off to go start going door to door and uh, rounding up some peeps. And uh, Jon Snow tells Ed that uh, he, you know, uh, he's in charge. And uh, with that wall, uh, don't knock it down while I'm gone. And Ed says he'll do his best, and apparently his best is not good enough. Yeah, I mean, technically, uh, I mean, it wasn't Ed's part of the wall that got knocked down, right?
1: it's still the wall you know that's a I mean, big he can't be responsible for what's happening at east watch right he's literally responsible for what's happening at east watch he's the lord commander of the night's watch uh, <laughs> this guess is his so. job, his I job. Guess so but i mean it's a tough job it's a tough job this is a you know a, a fool's errand to be uh to be placed in charge of the night's watch you're you're destined for a job yeah tough, tough job. job uh not not for nothing worth noting uh that through the point where we are at in game of thrones right now Jon Snow who has spent the vast majority of his storyline either at the wall or beyond it is going to leave the wall and not come back hmm this is Go the ahead. last that Jon Snow sees of the night's watch uh through uh through 7 seasons of game of thrones okay All right. And Ed, uh, he can't
0: believe that he's the Lord Commander, that uh, he gets asked, should we close the gate, Lord Commander? And then Ed's like, "Uh, what do you mean, Lord Commander? Well, uh, 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 I'm...
1: Oh, right. I am Lord Commander. Yeah, close the gate. Close the bloody gate. Crazy, Ed. Okay.
0: All right. Let's go for our big uh, coup de grace here today, Josh.
1: Oh, it's so sad, though. We have to say goodbye to Leaf gotta say yes. goodbye to, to summer summer to, yes to the three-eyed raven and all mm-hmm. of his his witticisms and hodor as well <laughs> is on his way out the door
0: okay now mira is is pumped up she's like finally we're getting out of here she's talking about all the different things that her and hodor are gonna eat uh hodor seems to be in good spirits hodor's in
1: great spirits especially because mira is talking about breakfast you know, she's mm-hmm. literally counting her eggs before they hatch. Yeah, they're going to have eggs and uh,
0: fried up and Hodor is is laughing. How much does Hodor
1: know that this is all going to come to an end? Here? I don't think he knows at all. I don't think he, he knows know. that at all. I think that like his brain was fried when he was a young boy. Like that egg. Yeah, I don't think that like he was like it was because like egg. it's like. Egg. Yeah.
0: <laughs> egg, is that you? <laughs> <I
1: don't> th- <laughs> I don't think it's like he knows that on January 2nd, 2019, Josh and Rob are going to be talking about the day that I die. Like he doesn't have like anything like that, but he had this traumatic moment when he's a kid uh, that uh, links him to that final painful moment and where that is, how that comes to be, whether or not he even remembers that beyond the initial hodering, I think is uh, up for debate. Um, so I don't think that he knows what's about to happen yet, but okay. it, it's about to happen all the same. All right. So there's a
0: ruckus going on outside. So Mira and leaf go and they check it out and uh Oh, night King and his army is here.
1: It's bad. It's not good. The night King and the army are, are here and the night King is able to like, uh, do some plate tectonic power yeah, moves what's up with this. Does he ever do this again? Uh, not yet. Not yet, hmm. but you know, he's his appearances are limited on the show, so we just don't know the extent of his powers yet. Yeah, so that he can uh, create a fault line, crack the ice, cracks the ice, and he's able to to access the the great tree. And he and his wrecking crew are about to storm forward. And uh, it's time to it's time to to get this show on the road. But Bran is, uh, you know, there's no alarm clock in the world that's going to wake this kid up. And then uh,
0: why didn't the Night King do this in season seven when like the band of seven
1: is like out there in the middle of the ice for like a whole episode? Because he he used the power. Uh, used. it's it, it's like a one-time use okay. like the way that, the way the melisandre hasn't yeah. produced another shadow baby it, it, these are hard magic spells to perform you can only do them the one time
0: okay all right so I don't uh, know. meanwhile uh you know we're trying to wake up ram, but we can't because he is in the past and he is watching a young uh ned stark With uh, with his
1: father, yeah, he sees his father. He's seeing things from Winterfell, and he's just having all of these different moments from that uh, from that courtyard moment in Winterfell, as Mira and Hodor are trying to just like do everything in their power to save Bran and stop the violence and stop the situation. But they are uh, it is it is a fruitless effort on their part as the Whites are just coming in and children of the forest are getting killed, and there's fire and the, the fire that can't be passed but they're able to like get around the fire because they can like break into the cave through the top of the crave cave so like there's no none of the plans are are working out like every def- every line of defense is failing in the face of the night king's approach
0: mm-hmm. right uh we do see uh rickard stark uh, ned's dad uh, tell him as he's sending him off to go to the Vale. uh he says uh, look if you have to fight win So uh, we see that Ned learns, okay, if you have to be in a fight, you can fight dirty. That's okay.
1: Yeah, Ned did not learn that lesson.
0: Mm. Yeah, well, I mean, he did uh, when they were, uh, you know, in that fight outside the Tower of Joy. But yeah, I but he wasn't was, the one who
1: did the dirty thing.
0: Yeah, yeah. So you uh, should remember his dad said that, but that was OK. All right. So, you know, uh, stuff is going down. The whites are coming in every which way. Uh, we need something to happen. Uh, Mira is screaming,
1: Bran, Bran, wake up. We need you. Yeah, because Hodor starts freaking out and Hodor is the muscle, right? Like, he's the t- tank and if the tank isn't working they're really boned and so mira's like bran wake up you got a warg into hodor we need hodor bring him up uh and so bran is like kind of like loosely hearing this in the vision where he's in the courtyard at winterfell and the three-eyed raven's like bran you got to listen to your friends you got to listen to what they're saying like you got to do the thing and so like this is the moment where the three-eyed raven must know like oh yeah this was this was the weird thing that happened
0: Right. This is like uh, you're having a dream and then the alarm is going off, and then now you're hearing the alarm in the dream.
1: Right. Exactly. It's incorporating now, except uh, a little more real than that. (laughs) Yes. Just a little. Okay. All right. And
0: so, the Red Raven says, uh, Listen to your friend, Brandon. Listen to your friend, Brandon. Yes. Uh, And so, we are going to see Bran warg into Hodor. Now, If Hodor could have just, you know, not been freaking out, like, I don't think that Bran does anything as Hodor that Hodor couldn't just have done on his own. Yeah, but he gets scared. He gets scared. He gets scared. And every
1: time that Hodor has been like a really great fighter, it's not because Hodor has been the great fighter. It's because Bran as Hodor is the great fighter. But he doesn't actually have to fight anybody here. Yeah, yeah, but like he's kind of gonna have to do a little bit of the fighting. No, like he there's like the occasional skeleton that is coming his way. But they gonna... don't fight, that he just runs with them. Like he yeah. does
0: the same exact job that Hodor does all the time of just like get like just run with the
1: thing and get Bran out the door. And I don't, then just to, I, don't I don't know. I don't the, the Hodor is about to die. I don't want to bag on Hodor as he's about I'm to just die. Saying Here, he gets that if, scared. If, that if, yeah, I know he gets scared. He gets he was he gets spooked. And, and, and that's ultimately
0: what what brand needed to do but it scares I mean, easily if, yeah i mean if hodor could have just you know not, not been spooked then uh, then none of this would have had to happen
1: wow it's not enough that the poor guy has to die he has to get shamed by rob sesternino <laughs> on a podcast that millions of people are listening to
0: what do you think of leaf's thermal detonator love it
1: big fan. love the thermal detonator yeah Leafs <laughs> Leafs a badass we could have used a little more leaf
0: leaf is a badass uh summer also is gonna take out a bunch of whites also but uh go down in the process
1: uh too too soon for me to be watching a beloved pet die uh Mm, this is is, is traumatic traumatic for me not a fan not happy with it all
0: right so hodor is uh getting everybody and uh getting them out to the back door and so uh he is going to hold uh the back door closed it is amazing that uh you know it seems like there's uh seemingly like uh 30 or 40 whites uh, pushing against just one hodor
1: but this is his moment this is his destiny right like mm-hmm. this is like he's supposed to play good vibrations and and page the boat like this is the thing this is what he was built for this is what it all came down to so he mm-hmm. has like that superhuman strength he's like the the parent who can lift the truck to save their child from, uh, from certain doom. This is that like superhuman strength that, that strikes you at a moment of great psychological importance. Yeah. Um,
0: we didn't mention the Night King has also made his way into the weirwood tree and he ends up taking out the Night King who and then uh, bursts into like a million little pieces of the smoke monster right. all at once uh, that is that the three eyed raven is he is he gone does he live on in some way in some sort of like a force ghost three eyed raven
1: yeah I mean like I think that his essence and his power and all of that is being imbued in brand right now and so when he's saying like leave me I think what he means is like the the, the physical me the corporeal me I am gone but I remain through you you are now the three eyed raven we are one
0: okay and so we
1: see in
0: the flashback where Hodor's eyes uh, go white and he is being affected in the past by what is happening to him in the
1: present yeah and it's so upsetting it's very upsetting (laughs) this is a great this is a great scene it really is it was very chilling at the time it's still very chilling um the the young actor who's playing poor willis uh is is real like it's it's so like uh it's just so unsettling to to watch him drop like a like a sack of bricks and just like the way that he's twitching like he's you know seizing up it's horrifying to watch uh so this like sort of um you know like this it's like Stephen King level horror moment that's happening here on game of Thrones. It's just, it's executed very, very well for the, the knocks along the way here, then the knock knock jokes as well along the <laughs> way. in in this recap where there's, you know, this, this door, the, the door as an episode, I think is remembered very fondly because of this scene. Uh, you know, there's mm-hmm. a, there's a lot of filler that, that gets you to this moment, but this moment really is such a showstopper and it, it holds up, uh, much like the door. It holds up perfectly well, uh, upon, uh, upon repeated viewings. Hmm. now uh mirror reed
0: and bran are gonna uh run for it i really i don't feel like they get that far away uh for i mean the the night king army uh seems to be able to cover a lot of ground
1: yeah i think he's buying them enough time for uh when when uncle benjen is going to show up though right mm. like i mean i think that it's just enough for them to get far enough that uncle benjen when he shows up with his cold hands is going to be able to to save the day so without this sacrifice they would have just been dead instantly
0: would have been just dead instantly okay so josh anything else to say in terms of the real time of this before we talk about uh, the implications of this
1: no i think it was uh it was it was a, a very sad moment in the fandom um, I believe this is one of the episodes that leaked online before the uh, before it was released officially. Mm. But I think it was like one of like the international HBOs accidentally like posted this on demand. Early, there's been a couple of snafus like that along the way here in the final push of Game of Thrones. I believe this episode was one of them. Uh, yeah. So there there were like I remember that day like people online being like, "Oh crap, tonight's Game of Thrones is crazy." So that day that the that the show came out, uh, the the Game of Thrones Twitter sphere was a minefield. It was much like uh, what's happening in the show itself. You had thermal to thermal like, detonators left yes, and right. Yes, you just had to dodge whites everywhere you were going. Okay.
0: <laughs> All right, Josh. So this happened to Brand. Yes. yes. Okay, the show set this up. What does this mean for our finale, our our final season?
1: You got to imagine there's the the idea that there could be some some you know, utility to the time travel ability, that there is either a whatever happened, happened quality to the way that time travel works on Game of Thrones seems to be the case that Hodor was always going to turn into Hodor, and this moment always had to happen, so whatever destiny everybody is barreling toward is just sort of like this faded thing, this is you know, it's predestined Um, Faded. (laughs) Right, exactly Uh, or, you know you know, even like the the moment at the Tower of Joy, like Ned Stark. Did he always hear Bran calling out for him? Um, I just feel like if this is just a twist to to kind of like give an explanation for why Hodor is called Hodor, it it's a little thinner for me. I think the the implications of the fact that Bran has the ability to impact things in such a way uh, is is really the big deal, and I think that that's why some people are excited about the prospect that maybe Bran. Could somehow become Brand the Builder, or have some role in bringing the wall up for the first time thousands and thousands of years ago. But in terms of like how this would come into play to undo the Night King, I'm not sure. And then I think that the other answer is you can imagine that like all of these Brand visions and like the, his ability to go back and look through the pages of the past. Has already paid off in his knowledge of Jon Snow being the son of Rhaegar Targaryen and Lyanna Stark. That it's not impossible mm-hmm. that that is going to be the extent of this, uh, this angle of Bran's powers. Where do you think this is all going to go?
0: Uh, yeah i don't know i don't know i kind of feel like that this is uh set up to be this you know a uh, major you know uh game changer for the final season i think that like we have the origins of uh, you know uh john snow's birth but uh, i don't know necessarily how we tie this into uh this uh climactic battle i know we've talked about you know could bran warg into a dragon certainly that's on the table, but. I mean that's a power that you know he's had for quite some time. So I don't know if there's another moment that's on the table that we're going to see. Like, oh my god, I can't believe that you know that was Brand the whole time.
1: Yeah, I, I, it it doesn't strike me obviously anyway. Like there isn't one thing that just like shoots to the top of my mind of like, oh that's Brand. Brand's fingerprints are all over that. Like I I can't I can't see that one. Um, and I and I think that the the Rhaegar thing probably holds up pretty well unless there's like there's some moment maybe where like bran can go back in time and have a conversation with his father okay so maybe there's something like this where there could be this like this tender moment that brings ned stark back into the story to some degree where bran uh uses his abilities to go back in time he, he uh, doesn't Resist the temptation this time he has A full on conversation with his dad His dad not knowing Who Bran is maybe Certainly he's unrecognizable at this Point now that he's seven feet tall uh, And maybe he's able to glean Some sort of uh, uh, Paternal advice that doubles As like one of those eye opening Eurekas oh my god this is how we Kill the Night King type of moment like maybe Something that's like sort of emotionally resonant Like that um, but the the scenario feels a little highfalutin as, it, as it's sketched out right there that I, I just don't know. I don't have a great theory for it. Um, and, I, and I do think that from the writing perspective, maybe they feel like it's already satisfied with Bran and Sam as the combo platter of dishing up the information that Jon is secretly a Targaryen. That might be fulfilling the time travel quality of everything. I mean, could it be
0: that Bran was the person that wrote the Lady Crane
1: saga? <laughs> This whole storyline. Yeah, it's not impossible, I guess. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The gr- the, Maybe. The great playwright, Bran Stark. Yes. Is, is Cold Hands next week? Cold Hands is next week, yes. Uh, okay. uh, we are moving next week into Blood of My Blood. Is, uh, is Rabbit blood. It's the, that's right. Episode six of, uh, of uh, season six of Game of Thrones. And we are going to spend a heaping amount of time at Horn Hill. Horn Hill, yeah, and we're gonna get our Horn Hill on. That's gonna be cool. We're gonna get our cold hands on. That's gonna be great. Mm-hmm. the uh, The situation with the High Sparrow is going to take a turn. Escalate. It's gonna escalate. Uh, not with an escalade. Uh, we're gonna go to the twins. Gonna see some uh, some Walder Frey uh, going on, and uh, then the dragon is gonna show back up.
0: Okay. Uh, we are careening towards uh, the end of season six at a breakneck pace. Now uh, we are halfway through season six, of Game of Thrones. Can you believe it? I can. <laughs> I can. I can believe it. OK. All right. So, Josh, uh, we talked about so many things, uh, a, a surprising amount that we disagreed on, though.
1: I mean, I don't want to go back there. I don't want to go back. there. To- <laughs> <laughs> i just don't understand the complaint i just don't fully get it i don't i really don't i'm so confused by it okay we don't need to revisit it well leave. it's now it's now out to the world <laughs> so confused and then we yes. and then we went ran into talking about star wars the phantom menace uh to mm-hmm. really make sure that we lost the audience uh, yes. in, no, but in, we all, we only agreed there in short in short order i botched the line it's not the communications we're short it's the negotiations. negotiations negotiations were short there's the line uh where we lost all communications that's what i that's what i was thinking of and the two merged together like a hold the door moment it's a phantom okay, menace perfect this is the right right episode for that to happen Mia huh? culpa Mia culpa Okay. I was also right. watching, uh, the. I've been rewatching Lost, Rob. Again, this episode directed by Jack Bender of Lost mm-hmm. fame and the time travel stuff brings Lost to mind, the whatever happened, happened of it all. And as I was watching the Lost season one finale, there's a great moment where Hugo Hurley-Ray is trying to catch Oceanic Flight 815. He's almost late. He gets right up to the gate as they are shutting the door and he shouts, hold the door! Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's great. Okay. That's good. That,
0: uh, good, good for Hurley. Yeah. Yeah. All right. That's all I got. Josh Wigler. He is on Twitter. He is at round Howard. Uh, he says 2019 best year ever. You can, uh, don't add, no, him. you can at me. You can at me. Okay. All right. And, I am at Rob Cisternino, uh or at Pineapple Boy Twenty Seven. Uh, if you really uh, hated some of my takes here today, depending on the uh, content be, of your uh, of your yes. tweets. We will be back uh, Next week uh, Josh Anything else Coming up You want to talk about
1: We have a podcast About the haunting Of Hill House Not Horn Hill uh, That is uh, That should be up On Posture Recaps uh, By the time you are Listening to this Or will be up Very soon So uh, that's Antonio Mazzaro and I Talking about That show As we are uh, Doing our slow march Through many of the shows That we have missed Over the past year Or so We're going to keep doing A couple of those Special podcasts In the in the coming weeks uh, no real uh, structured timetable for that. We're just going to keep going because there's lots of shows and we're we're behind on stuff. And uh, we live in a TV age where it's OK to be behind. You just got to catch up eventually. And so here we are. And be on the lookout for some Black Mirror talk. Ooh, that's right. From, uh,
0: Mike Bloom and Jessica Lee about the aforementioned uh, uh, Bandersnatch. Am I saying that right? Yeah. Bandersnatch. Yeah, I watched it. I watched it. Uh Did you bit, watch uh, it or did you play it? I it's <laughs> a good question. It's a good question. Uh so uh, be on the lookout for that as well coming to post your recaps. Take care everybody. Have a good one. Bye. Special thanks to our friends over at True Car for sponsoring this episode of Post Show Recaps. Every car comes with its share of stories, that ding in your bumper when you nervously picked up your first date, that luxury package you got after that big promotion, or the mileage you save by riding your bike all summer long. And while you can put a price tag on your stories, now with True Car, you can at least find out what your car is worth when it's time to sell it or trade it in. Just go to True Car, simply enter your license plate number, and watch how your car's details pop up. Then, answer a few questions. Navigation and moonroof? Sure. They'll bump up your value, high mileage you already knew was going to cost you, but find how much it's going to ding your wallet, so you can plan ahead. And once you're finished, you'll get a True Cash Offer sent in minutes, which you can take to a local certified dealer to cash out or trade in. So when you're ready to experience a better way to sell or trade in your car, check out True Car today. True Cash Offer, not available in all areas.